Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to tonight's Sheer of Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. Tonight we are Zoycha TV by our 70th Sheer 7-0, and we're really, really excited. We have an amazing program. Um, first, I always start off every week thanking everybody for uh, coming on and for promoting it and putting on their WhatsApp statuses and emailing it to people. And Baruch Hashem, the share is growing and growing, and we have a source of having Rabbi Ashir tonight, which uh, we've got a lot of requests for him to come on. We're really thankful for all those who are watching the replay of this. Please click on the subscribe button, subscribe button to Coach Menachem's channel and click on the like button so you can every week get you know every share that comes out. I always want to start off with thanking the Lakewood Scoop for promoting us here in Lakewood. And I want to special, give a special thank you to Rabbi and Anif from Chazak. They always promote, they always help us. And actually, Rabbi from, from Chazak was the one who made the Shidduch here tonight for getting Rabbi Shir. So we really appreciate that. Um, Chazak has programming for all. For any more information about Chazak, go to chazak.org. And a special thank you to Chayla Kaufman, the Shmuel Summer from JCM, the Jewish Content Network, for always promoting us on all the Jewish digital platforms. Again, if anybody's here tonight for the first time, every Sunday night we give a share on this Zoom channel, on the Zoom ID. We always bring different abonim, therapists, and different topics. So please try to come on if, if possible. And um, if, if it's not a topic for you, post it, let people know about it so more people could, could really have enough from it. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about next Sunday, August 20th, we're going to have an amazing program with Rabbi Shlomo Landau. He's a rabbi in Middlesex County from Brunswick, New Jersey. Not a lot of people know about him, but he's, uh, he's going to be an unbelievable speaker. And the title is Rosh Hashanah is Coming, A Real Way to Impact Ourselves and Others. It's going to be an amazing program and meaningful. Please join us and tell your friends as well to be here next Sunday. Tonight, we have the schus and honor of having with us the world-famous Rav David Ashir. Rav Ashir, I don't know if you know this, but every Shabbos, I read one story by the Friday night Suda, one Shabbos by the, by, the, by the Shabbos day Suda. I'm up to volume five, so I know every single story. I hope I remember it. And I, I, I've been having so many requests, get him on, get him on. The Baruch Hashem, the 70th year that you come. So, and I want to let everybody know that's here now. That uh, tonight you usually go a little bit later, or whatever. Tonight we're going to be ending um, on time, uh, a little early tonight. By 11:15, Rabbi Shia has to go, and I'm also traveling, so it's a little bit. It's going to be a quicker share. We're going to try to hop around. So again, if anybody has any questions, please text tonight. If you have a question, text text questions here. Not Ashaparnas, text questions here. We'll try to get you on to get to that. Let's start first with an opening from our from our host, Coach Menachem. Coach Menachem, open it up. Hey, thank you, Rabasha. I want to welcome everyone here tonight. So let's get real with Coach Menachem Bar Hashem. We're up to Shia number 70. And I would like to thank all of those who sent in donations um, for the book and uh, just uh, basic donations. And if you want, you can go to menachembernfield.com and it's all appreciated. Thank you. Tonight's topic, I believe, is, is really what we're looking for. And it's really living living our purpose, basically to live with Hashem. And the truth is for all of those who, um, who come here every week, and uh, by now we know already, logically in our head, we know that Hashem runs the world. Baruch Hashem, we, we hear it from all different topics and we know that everything um, Hashem does is for the good. But we need to take it to the next level. And that's actually to live it. 
to actually feel it. And when, when, when you're in the situation, when something is going on, um, our mind knows that Hashem runs the world and it's for the goods. But what happens, our body, for some reason, we, we're anxious, we're nervous. The question is how to implement, how to get that knowledge into our physical feelings to be able to live it. So hopefully we'll be able to um, learn some strategies how to do that. And the truth is, I personally know many that read the Living Amuna books and they, they say that it changed their life. So there is something in there, there's something to it that could, uh, make, could make a difference if you read the books. But the truth is, the, the real, that's the real work that we need to do is to be able to take what we know and to start feeling it. Now, to start, to just say, thank you, Hashem, is good. It's a good start to say, wherever you go, please, Hashem, help me with this. Thank you, Hashem, for this. And, uh, or Hashem, why? That's also a good start, you know? Sometimes it doesn't work out the way we want, and it's okay if we, you know, Hashem, I don't want it to be like this. It's a madrega, it's, it's, it's a start. But then we have people who um, are really struggling. And that's really the, the real question, all the emails that came in and whoever I speak to is we read the stories and they're great stories and it's unbelievable how they have good endings usually. But I'm waiting for the story from in my life. I'm going through, I, how long? I'm diving already for years. It could be Shaduchim, it could be kids, it could be in Parnassah, whatever it is. A person in his situation, sometimes it could be hard. So what do I do now? Okay, so I'm davening, I'm doing it already for so many years, and then slowly they fade away. How can we be mechazek ourselves? So hopefully tonight in Mitzvah Shem, we have this host to have Rabbi Asher, which I believe he breathes breathes this this topic and he teaches it, and all of these questions I believe are not, are not the first time he hears it. And in Mitzvah Shem, we should be able to get chizik to be able to take the steps and implement it, and with this we can come closer to Rosh Hashanah, start living. With Thank you so much. Coach Menachem for a beautiful opening. Uh, let's get straight to it. Uh, tonight's show is sponsored by Recovery at the Crossroads. Recovery at the Crossroads is the only kosher inpatient treatment center in the tri-state area. They're a licensed co-occurring treatment facility, which means they are licensed to not only treat substance abuse, but also any other underlying mental health conditions such as anxiety, depression, or trauma. They've been around for 15 plus years. They've helped many from families and put tremendous effort in working together with the families. If you or anyone you know is struggling with addiction, feel free to reach out to them at 888-466-5950. And before I introduce Rabbi Ashir, I'm gonna read his bio. And then the floor says, Rabbi David Ashir is a mechaber of the well-known Living Among Us series published by Artscroll. Rabbi Ashir received smicha from the renowned Reb David Feinstein Zeich Tzadik Rocha under the Yad Yosef Koyal. He currently runs a yeshiva program in Yad Yosef for post high school, for post high school and leads a young adult minion on Shabbos. Additionally, he reaches a Muna at Shire Bina seminary and is sought after speaker in the Syrian Sephardic community, I would say worldwide, but okay. Rabbi Asher has been a Magad Shir Dafyemi for almost 10 years at Congregation Beth Rabbi David Asher, is a schus for us to have you here. Please, the floor is yours. Thank you. It's a to be here. The uh, Rabbi Menachem mentioned that everybody knows the principles of Emunah, and as they say, you could probably all get 100 on an Emunah test, but the difficult part is feeling it in your body. Rabbi Yechezka Levenstein once said that the distance 
from the brain to the heart is about 50 centimeters. But to get an idea from the brain to, to, to make the heart feel it could take about 50 years. The way to make emunah part of your life is only through a constant study of it, a daily dose every single day again and again and hearing it from a new angle and a new perspective and something else is going on. The Chazonish once said, on any day that he's not learning emunah, he automatically felt that his emunah got worse. So we're constantly fighting it with what the world spits at us, what we see all the time, and the, what the news says and all these different things. So unless you're working on it constantly by reading a book, by listening to a shiur, whatever it is, but constantly on a daily basis, giving yourself that uh, knowledge that you need, that is the way to penetrate your heart and to feel it. And you'll see the more you do it, the more you'll, the better you'll get at it. We have a mitzvah. This is not just a nice thing to do. It's a mitzvah. We read a couple of weeks ago in the parasha, Tamim Tihiei Mashem Elokecha. Rashi said, it means you have to accept whatever Hashem does, accept it betimimut, accept it wholeheartedly. That's a mitzvah taseh. I accept. We have a mitzvah to trust Hashem. And Every time you learn a little bit more about Emunah, your trust in Hashem gets better. And you're, and you're improving on this great mitzvah. This is not a small achievement for somebody to become a Baal Emunah. It's a lifetime of work. And it's not easy at all. It's not easy at all. But it brings about a very important closeness to Hashem when we begin to trust Him and we begin to know that we're in his hands all the time. The Chavot HaLevavot writes, just for an example, if somebody uh, was going through a tough time with Parnasa, and I know there's going to be questions about Parnasa, so let's make believe it was just asked. Parnasa, people have questions. Why don't I have the money that I need? Where's the money? How come he has? How come they have? Why don't I have? And it's not easy. Parnasah, Hashem created us with needs. And we're relying on him to take care of those needs. If someone ever finds himself in a situation where he doesn't have what he wants, of course, you have to pray and you have to do and improve yourself spiritually. But you also have to know that you have a golden opportunity. It says, when the Jewish people left Mitzrayim, they did not know how they were going to eat. They left Mitzrayim, and they which followed Hashem into the wilderness. And they did not know what they were going to eat the next day. But they said, you know what? We're in Hashem's hands. We're going anyway. And Hashem said about that event, Hashem said, I'll never forget that kindness that you did for me. You, 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 Hashem calls it a chesed. You did a chesed for me by following me, not knowing where you're going to eat. That was the great chesed. The love that I had for you at that time was like a, a groom for a bride. 
That's the, the love that Hashem had when we were willing to move on and serve Him when we didn't know what we're going to eat tomorrow. Says the Chovot Levavot. Any Jew who finds themselves in a situation where Parnassah is tight and you don't know how you're going to make the bills and you want to have every reason to say, you know what, I tried and it's not working. I'm not going to shul tomorrow, Hashem. I can't anymore. You're not helping me. I'm not helping you. Not that Hashem needs us. But if in that time, instead of having that attitude, you say, you know what, I'm going to wake up earlier tomorrow. I'm coming to shul. I'm still learning. I'm following you. Says the Chovot Levavot, at that time, you could tap into the same energy that the Jewish people had when they left Mitzrayim. And Hashem could say about you, And if I could just add, at that time, the Jews had just witnessed 10 plagues. They witnessed, they saw Hashem with their own eyes and Hashem still was impressed. Imagine somebody today's day and age where Hashem is hidden from us. And you have someone who's struggling in Parnassah and they say, you know what, I'm going to continue going and I'm going to continue being religious. These are opportunities. This world is a, is a world of growth. It's a world of doing our job in order to get to the next world. And as much as we want everything to just be smooth and easy and nice, when it's not like that, we have to grab the opportunity when it comes and say, Here's my chance to catapult to greatness with a moment of emunah in this tough time. And that is called accepting Ratzon Hashem. Hashem, I accept your Ratzon. If this is the way you want it to be now, this is the way I'm going to serve you. And that is a very, very precious avodah. It does not preclude hoping for salvation as was just mentioned. You know, we read a lot of nice stories and we say, when is that going to happen to me? Well, all those nice stories are very, very important stories. The reason being because we have another mitzvah. After we accept that this is Ratzon Hashem and this is what I have to do and I have to live at this moment the way Hashem wants me to, a second later we have to hope that we're going to get what we want. We're going to hope that tomorrow we're going to make all the money that we need. It's not a contradiction to accept that till today I needed to live this life and hopefully going forward, I'll be able to get what I want. And that's where prayer comes in and that's where hope comes in. And one of the questions we're going to be asked at the end of 120 is, did you anticipate the coming of the Mashiach? The It doesn't only mean that. It means that you anticipate the salvation of Hashem in every case and every situation you were in. So how are you going to anticipate salvation if you don't hear about the 47-year-old girl who had a baby and the 52-year-old girl that got engaged? And if you don't hear those stories, how are you going to hope for them? So yes, we want them to happen to us. But at the same time, there's a twofold understanding you have to have when you hear those stories. Number one, you should say, Baruch Hashem, another Jew had a salvation. I'm so happy for them. And then you say, that could also happen to me. And therefore, I'm going to pray harder. I'm going to pray for it. If Hashem gives it to me, wonderful. 
I'm going to say thank you and I'm going to I'm going to sing to him. And if he doesn't give it to me, that just means that there's another day that I have to live like this to do my avodah in this world. And that's what life's about. Every single person has a different avodah. Everyone has a different job and only Hashem knows that job. Why does this one have to be barren for 20 years? Why does this one have to be married? Why does this one that? The answer is the same for all of them because everyone has a different job. And for their job, that's how it had to be for that time. Maybe it'll change tomorrow. And that's why we always hope and pray that tomorrow will be different. I will just give you one story and then we'll take questions about the power of acceptance. Now, this is a story from one of the books. I don't know which one, but it's one of my personal favorites. And whenever I have a chance to say it, I like to say it. The story goes that one Shabbat, the students of the Baal Shem Tov saw him smiling from ear to ear. And they asked the rabbi why he was so happy. He said, I'll tell you later. And on Sunday, he took his students on a trip and they traveled to the home of a couple who were married for over 20 years without children. And he said he was able to see with his Ruach HaKodesh that this couple did something heroic that passed Shabbat and he wanted his students to hear it from them firsthand. So he knocked on the door. The couple was amazed. The great Baal Shem Tov is at our house. They couldn't believe it. Come in, Rabbi. He came in with his students. And the Baal Shem Tov said, sorry to intrude on you. I want you to teach a lesson to my students. Please tell my students what you did this past Friday night on Shabbat. And the man was embarrassed. He said, Rabbi, I don't know. No, I'm telling you, please, we need to hear the lesson. So the man said, we live a very simple lifestyle. We earn enough just to get by. Usually we try to save enough money during the week to have some, to have some nice food on Shabbat. This Shabbat was the first time in over 20 years that we did not have food to eat. So here we were, an older couple. Now we have no children, we have no food, and we're starting Shabbat. And he said, the one thing that we had was we were still happy because my wife and I accepted at our marriage, at our wedding day, that no matter what happens in life, we're never going to get down or depressed. We're going to accept that at Son Hashem. And Baruch Hashem for 20 years, over 20 years, we were able to do it. So I told my wife, we don't have any food, but we have water. Heat up a pot of water and we're going to have water at the Seuda. And they sat at the table and she brought them out for the, she brought them out a bowl of hot water. The man, he said, I took the first spoonful and I said, delicious. This tastes like my favorite fish. I love it. Wow, this is unreal. What a fish. And they're eating the soup. They're eating the bowl of water. And they started singing to Hashem. Hashem, you're so kind. You gave us the greatest tasting fish. They're singing to Hashem. Then he said, okay, we're ready for the next course. She goes back. She gets more water. He tastes it. He said, oh, this tastes like my favorite chicken soup. Delicious. And we sang to Hashem again. 
And then we did it again and we had dessert. And we sang to Hashem again. And Rabbi, honestly, the joy that we experienced was indescribable. We felt, we felt so close to Hashem. I still feel the effects today from that one of the greatest Shabbats of our whole life. The Baal Shem Tov then said to this man, to this couple, he said, the happiness that you experienced despite the difficult test that Hashem put you through created such a joy in heaven. Hashem is so proud of you. He's giving you a present. Next year, you will be holding your very own baby boy. And he's going to grow up and enlighten the eyes of the Jewish people in Torah. And sure enough, a year later, they had a baby and they named him after the Baal Shem Tov, Yisrael. And this was none other than Rabbi Yisrael from Kuznets, otherwise known as the Kuznets or Magid. And this is a simple story of a couple accepting Ratzon Hashem again and again and again. And it got so hard, beyond imagination, they reached deep down and they accepted once again. And that was the catalyst to eventually bring the Yeshua. This is the way we have to respond to the challenges of life. Each time is so precious. Each time we're making uh, we're shaking the heavens with our emunah. And the better we get at it, the easier it becomes. It happens through, again, constant reinforcement and reinforcement and reinforcement. Here we share beautiful, beautiful story. Um, let's take a little poll for a minute so you can take a break. And we'll ask some questions. And um, we have a few live ones. Again, tonight, I just wonder for everybody who's on now, there's a lot of people on. We're ending the share tonight by 11.15, so anybody who has live questions will go first. Let's try to hop around. We have a zeichet to have Rabbi David Asher over here tonight. So anybody who has questions, please text the questions here person, and they're going to put you on the list to ask a question. Let's take a poll. Let's see what everybody has to say. Okay, here we go. When you are personally going through a hard time in your life, how do you exercise your Muna muscles? Four options. You daven harder. You speak to Hashem during the day. You listen, you learn and listen to Amuna stories, or option four, you do more acts of chesed. When you're going through a hard time, what do you do to like ignite your Amuna? Which, which is your tool to get it going? Answer that announcement. And the second question is, when things actually pass or work out afterwards, what is your way of thanking Hashem and remembering that he's always with you? Four options. I say loud and clear, thank you, Hashem, for months. I write it down and remember, and I remember later on how Hashem was, helps me and is always with me. I give extra tzedakah or do extra good chesed because he helped me. Or option D, most of the time I forget about it and I move on to the next problem. Those are the two questions. Answer them. We'll give you a few seconds to answer it. And uh, then we'll share it with everybody. So it's anonymous. And then we'll go to questions, okay? Rabbi Asher, you like these questions? Very nice. <laughs> okay, everybody's going to vote. Okay, five, four, three, two, one, let's go. Okay, let's share it. Okay, when you're personally going through a hard time in your life, how do you exercise your Muna muscles? 28% of people over here said tonight they daven harder. 59% Rebbe Ashir said they speak to Hashem during the day. That's how they get, that's how they build up their Muna. 
Ten percent of people say they listen and learn to uh, listen, learn and listen to Muna stories. They read your books, and three percent of people do more acts of chesed. The second question: When things actually pass or work out afterwards, what is your way of thanking Hashem and remembering that He's always with you? Sixty-three percent of people say I say loud and clear thank you Hashem for months. Six percent of people write it down to remember it and how Hashem helped them, helped me, and is always with me. 8% of people give tzedakah, do an extra, an extra act of chesed. 23% of people, most of the time, I forget about it and move on to the next problem. Just interesting to see. Okay, you can exit off the screen and let's go to questions. Hold on one second. Okay, we have a live question. You're on first, go. Hi, Rabbi Asher. Thank you for taking my question. Um, I have two questions. Um, I think it was mainly uh, said in the introduction, both by the Rav and by Coach Menachem, but I'll ask it to my own personal application. I, uh, when people go through uh, major challenges, I know one of the classic things uh, Rav or Gadol will tell them is that if you really believe that what Hashem is doing for the best, you'll be happy and you know it's, it'll minimize the pain. You, you could be happy if you really trusted it's for the best. The question is that if you don't really know the real reason why that thing is for the good, how could one genuinely be happy for that incident that's occurring or that occurred already? It's like, you know, personally by me, it's like, you know, I, I convince myself for a while and I become happy, but after a while, uh, a voice just backfires and says, just snap out of it. This thing is not good. And then again, after a while, I have to convince myself and say, it is for the best, trust Hashem. And uh, you never know if you're going to, if, if you know, this, if you could actually see the good in it, so you'll definitely be happy. But until you actually know the reason, how could one genuinely be happy? It's just, it's, how is it not like an illusion? Like someone who doesn't have so much money and someone tells them, imagine you're wealthy, you know, and act like you're wealthy. And just the second question is, when going through the after effects of a very traumatic or a challenging experience, when does one work, go work with Amuna and, you know, believe that it's for the best and believe that Hashem has a plan? And for what things does one go to therapy? I'm going to answer your first question first, and then please repeat your second one. Regarding the first question, in order to feel happy, of what with what you're going through without seeing why it's good. Like you said, obviously, if you see why, it's easy. So one way, the Chavot al-Babot writes, actually, that you're supposed to try to think in your own brain. For example, let's say somebody lost a lot of money. They're supposed to think of a reason why, you know, Hashem just saved all of my family instead. And he took my money, it was kapara. From all of the statements we have in Chazal and all the wealth of Torah that we learn where when someone's going through physical to torment, it's saving them from much worse things is one way. And you say to yourself, Baruch Hashem, I have my health. So many things could have been taken away. Hashem took it out of the money instead of my health. And Baruch Hashem, we're healthy. And you think of all the good that you do have and what this problem is saving you from. A second thing is that 
everyone has a different purpose in life. And from the stories that our rabbis teach us, we're supposed to apply it to our own lives. Chafetz Chaim once gave a mashal of a man who was so poor and he was crying every day, why you do this to me? And he said, this man in his previous life was a wealthy businessman who talked down to all of his workers and he did not, he was not allowed to get into Gan Eden because of his condescending remarks and his ga'ava. And they said, you're not allowed in. And he begged them for another chance to come back down to this world. Yeah. And he begged and begged and begged until Hashem said, okay, we'll let you come down, but you're going to be a wealthy businessman again. And he cried and he said, it's not fair. The test was too hard. It's not fair. It's not fair. And he begged until Hashem said, okay, I'll let you go down as a poor man. And he said, thank you. Thank you. I'm finally going to do my, my, my mission after all these times. And he goes down into the world and he treats everyone with respect and he's poor. But what does he do all day? He cries. Why did you do this to me, Hashem? It's not fair. It's not fair. If you would have known that you begged for this, if you knew what your purpose was, you would ask for it. So it requires trust. There's no way that you could just, you know, we're not going to know the reasons. That's part of the test of this world. But it requires trust in knowing that you are accomplishing a purpose with it. There's a purpose to the poverty. There's a purpose for it. And if without that, you'll be wasting your time in this world. You have not, no other reason to be here. We're not here to, 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 to just enjoy ourselves. We're here on a mission to serve Hashem in the place He put you. So that requires trust. It requires trust. And this is what you need for your purpose. And a Jew is very, very... Uh, we have it in our DNA to be what's called Mosed Nefesh and rise to challenge and say, I'm doing it because it's what Hashem wants. And when we know the value of the service, it makes it much easier. What was the second question, please? Uh, when people go through traumatic experiences, they have the after effects. Uh, is it, could it possibly be fair to say that if they just work under Emunah, everything would work out? Or there are times that a therapist is needed also? For sure, there are times where therapists are needed. You know, you can't do everything yourself. Therapists are trained. They know, uh, they know the psychology of people. And thera therapists are always, uh, they're always welcomed. It's a good idea. Thank you. Okay. I think we have a lot more live questions. Let's try to go through the live again. Anybody who wants to ask live text to the, to the questions here. Okay, the next live question you're on. Hi. Hi. Hi, thank you for all the hosts and sponsors and thanks uh, Rabbi David Ashir for being here. Um, my question is, um, on one part, yes, I understand that I, I, I do my part of Amuna that when um, things don't go easily or, or as fast as I want, or if I don't have as much of things that I want, I understand that it's my amuna. It's between me and Hashem. I do my prayers. My my my. I work on myself. My amuna. My connection with Hashem. That's one thing. But for example, if I owe money for a person, um, and and that person needs that money, or things like that, how can I have amuna sort of on the other people's account? Like, um, you know, I I for whatever reason sometimes we have amount of money that we owe for others and. It's one thing when I can be patient with my needs, 
and 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 believe and and be patient that Hashem takes care of me and of my needs. But if I owe someone an amount of money and it takes a long time until Hashem sends me that money, well, how can I be kind of relaxed on the other person's expense? Owe the person money because you borrowed it, or you owe the person money because you're helping out your children. Um, the person did a did a, a service for me or sold me something. Um, either something costed more than expected, or um, the service took longer, um, um, or my income lowered during the service. Things changed. So when I hired the person, maybe I thought that I could pay. And then later, either my income lowered or uh, there were surprises in the work uh, process. So, so unexpected expenses came in and I need to pay that person. And That's true. And when it comes to paying, paying a person the money you owe for a service is one of the mitzvot in the Torah. And you're right. When it comes to mitzvot in the Torah, that's your responsibility. That's what you're doing in the world. And you have to make a plan. You might not be able to pay back because something unexpected happened and people are understanding, but you have to make a plan and you have to make a payment plan. And you say, is it okay if I pay $100 a week or $20 a week and I will pay this off? And that's what you have to do. You have to do the best you can with what you were given and you try your hardest. You're right. It's not a place to say, I have emuna, uh, you know, sorry, I'll see you later. You make a plan. And everyone could put away a few dollars and try your hardest to do something to make, to fulfill that mitzvah of paying back your debts. Thank you. That really clarifies my question. Makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Okay, Rabbi Shir, somebody texted me this question. I'm going to read it to you. Is that okay? Yes. I read most of your books and listen to the daily chizuk and truly try to lead a life of emuna and surrender to Hashem. I find that my amuna gets stronger and I give over my control. Somehow during these periods of my life, Hashem literally bombards me with so many more tests and obstacles. How does one deal when it piles up to the point I tell myself, it's the darkest before dawn, but why when one tries their hardest to stay connected, do they see the most tests pile on? How do we stay strong when it reaches a breaking point? We got this question a few different formats. Basically, the, the, you know, they're working on it, and then as they're working at it, the situation gets worse and worse and worse. And like they feel they're at their breaking point. We, we have to know that you're, you're not at your breaking point. Because if you are at your breaking point, Hashem wouldn't do that. As uh, I'm not going to go into a whole story now because it'll take too long. But the challenges, why this challenge, why that challenge... Don't ever think, you know, people say, I'm afraid to have emunah because once I have emunah, then all the problems start. No, 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 no. The problems need to come either way for whatever reason that has to do with your tikkun in this world. Whatever your mission is in the world, that's why the problems are coming. And that's what's needed because everyone has a different mission. Your emunah will only help. You can't stop the problems and say, I'm going to hide from emunah because once I'm able to do it, Hashem's going to give it to me. No, you have to go through it. The emunah is going to only help you do it more. And if you have tough challenges and you're working on your emunah, it's only to your credit. It's only going to help you. Don't ever think because you learned more emunah that now your yeah, challenges are piling on more. That's not true. 
your challenges are needed because whatever reason, only Hashem knows why you need to go through your challenges and you do have the ability to go through it. Someone once came to their rabbi and they said, Rabbi, you know, you said Hashem never gives us a challenge that we can't handle. He said, I can't handle this. I can't handle it. It's not true. He says, I don't have the strength. So he explained the situation. The rabbi told him, he says, you do have the strength. You know what your problem is? Your problem is that you're thinking about the problem tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And now you're worried about the next 10 years of problems or the next year of problems. He says, Hashem doesn't give you the strength today for tomorrow's problems. He gives you the strength today for today's problems. So if we would look at what we have today and say, you know what, Baruch Hashem, I'm able to handle this. I could handle this today. Tomorrow, we'll figure out tomorrow. Maybe it won't even be here tomorrow. We hope it'll be gone. Why worry about tomorrow's troubles if they might not even be here? But you do not correlate your growth in Ermunah to your uh, more challenges. That's not the way it works. Okay, unbelievable. Beautiful. Let's go to the next live question. Let's see if Chris is unmuted. Hi. Hi, Thank how you are so you? Much. Hi. Thank you so much. Rabbi Asher, I wanted to ask you, please, for an Amuna perspective. For those of us who are older, in our 60s and our 70s, we um, have a different level of awareness now, much more mature, much more broad. How can we make peace with the fact that we made mistakes and we wish that we could have lived our life differently, more patient, kinder, gentler, more trusting. How can we live without guilt and regret? Lucky for us, that's not a good word, but fortunate for us that Hashem in his infinite kindness lets people make Teshuvah until they're 120 years old. And if you make the proper Teshuvah in Shamayim, all of those negative negatives, you make Teshuvah out of love, they all turn into positive. So you can change 60 years of life and turn it all into good with Teshuvah out of love. And Teshuvah out of love means, you know, I can't believe that I didn't do the Ratzon Hashem the way I was supposed to. Not because I'm afraid of the punishment, just because Hashem is so great and I want to do the best I could. And I can't believe I didn't think about it all those years. But now I know and I accept upon myself from today that I'm going to be extra kind and extra patient and extra this and extra that. And you regretted the past and you accepted to go forward the future differently and you really mean it, then all of those years turn into good. That's the unbelievable chesed of Teshuvah that it's never too late and you could change until the very end. I wanted to ask you, Rabbi, those things I understand in terms of things being Adam or Makom between me and Hashem, but oftentimes we've negatively affected people and um, we might want to do Teshuva now, but there are people who have suffered as a result of decisions and consequences to our behavior. If you caused, if you caused pain or suffering to another individual, then it's a two-part Teshuva. You apologize to those people and you ask them for forgiveness. Thank you. Okay, now the question is, how does a person know when to accept? Like we know that sometimes Hashem answers no. How does a person know that the answer is no and accept? Or maybe Hashem wants you to continue davening and continue working on it, asking for it. It says in the Pasuk, Kaveh El Hashem, 
Hazak v'yamets libecha v'kaveh el Hashem. We're supposed to pray and hope for what we want. And if it's getting hard because it's been so many years and so long, then you're supposed to strengthen yourself again and pray again. I once heard from a gadol. He said he went to Rav Chaim Kanievsky many years ago. And he said he's been praying for something for seven and a half years. So he told Rav Chaim, he said, what should I do? I've been davening for seven and a half years now. So Rav Chaim told him, so daven again. There's no end. Davening is for life. Accept means I accept. If Hashem didn't give it to me, then it's not for me. But the prayer, the prayer, the item that you want is just a catalyst to get you to pray. It's there. The prayer is your connection to Hashem. We never, anything that you have something you want in life and you could use that as the means to cry to Hashem and ask Him for something then that's what's building your relationship, then that's a great tool. Don't stop praying. You pray again and you pray again, you pray again. If, but the, the, the difference is in the attitude. If I didn't get it, okay, I accept Hashem. You don't want me to have it. But it never says that I should not continue to tomorrow and pray. If you're praying with an attitude of complaining, it's not fair, why don't you do this to me? Then it's not building a connection. But if you're praying with a sincerity, please, this is what I want. If it's possible, if my tikkun could happen through this, if I could tell me of a zikhur I could do, and whatever, however you're praying, but you're crying out to him with hope, then you're doing good. And the main gain from all of those prayers is the mitzvah of prayer. Each time you did it, you got a great mitzvah. There was once a man, he was crying to his rabbi, Rabbi, my life's so hard. The rabbi looked at him and he said, I'm jealous of you. you your amidah is 20 minutes, you're crying. I can't, I'm telling you how jealous I am. The person says, no, I don't want this. I want my, and a year later, the man got his salvation and he went back to the rabbi and he says, rabbi, you know what? In some aspects, you were right. I miss my tefillot. I can't get myself to pray like that anymore. And I, and I miss it. I miss that connection to Hashem. So when you have something you need, it's a great tool to continue that great connection that you have with Hashem. Okay, Rabbi, Rabbi Ashri, we have tons of live questions, so let's try to get through some of them. Okay. Let's wait one second. Hi, I'm here. Hi, Can everyone hear me? Yes. Awesome. Um, so I was wondering, um, from the moment we say Modani in the morning to the moment we say Kriyat Shema at night, how is it that, uh, how can we start to work on um, noticing the emunah that we have towards Hashem uh, with, every, uh, with every waking moment? Explain, explain a little more the question. I didn't get the question. Sorry, so from... Um, from every moment that we are awake, from every moment that we uh, breathe every day, how can we notice emunah? How can we be more conscious of the emunah that we may or may not have towards Hashem? The emunah, if you want to know your level in emunah, it depends on how you're responding to what happens during the day. That you could always test yourself in emunah. You're getting irritated, you're getting uptight, you're getting angry. 
or you're calm and you're cool and you're saying, okay, that was my, from Hashem, that was from my best, that was from Hashem, that was my best. So you could see where you're holding by your reactions to the daily, daily issues that come up in life, the lines, the traffic, the this, the that. The more patient that you become, the greater your emunah is becoming. That's one way that you could tell of where you're holding in your emunah. If you want to be, uh, you know, proactive with your emunah. So all day long, you're talking to Hashem. You're about to go to the grocery store. Hashem, please give me siyatah dishmaya when I go to the store today. Please let them have what I need. Well, please let me help me with this. I'm making dinner tonight. Please let it come out good. You talk to Hashem all the time. And he helped you and you say, thank you, Hashem, for letting me get home safely. And this will, this will automatically improve your emunah because you're constantly talking, talking to Hashem all the time. Okay, amazing. Um, Rabbi Ashir, we have a rule in the shir that anytime somebody who gave a shir first and wants to ask a question, he goes before anybody else. So we have somebody who gave a shir and he wants to ask you a question. Is that okay? Okay, now I'm nervous. Okay, Rabbi, go. Hi, Rabbi Asha. How are you? It's Uri Lati. Hi. Um, okay, I'd like to ask you a question. I just came on. I've uh, probably asked before, but I once saw in a sefer, Igrat de Kala, he says the acronym for Emunah is Niftehu HaShamayim Vayir'eh Marot Elohim. He brings it from Yehaskel, when Yehaskel, the heavens opened up and he was able to see actually the Kisa Kavod, the Merkaba, whatever it was, whatever, we don't understand it. But how do we get to that level where... You know, obviously, there's a difference between emuna and yedi'a. Emuna is believing in something you don't see. But how do we get to that level where even if I don't see it, I believe it's there? For example, if I, if you're gonna tell me, if Rabbi is gonna tell me, okay, there's a table over here, even though you don't see the table, but I'm telling you there's a table over here. How do I get to that level where I believe something even if I don't see it? I think that uh, the only way to improve emuna is just through learning, more learning, more, more sifarim, more, more shmuzin, the, the constant reinforcement that you have it on you. Anyone who listens to an emunah class, and this is, this is tried and tested. Someone walks out of any class, forget about what the, let's say you had a class on, on the value of Amen and you heard how great it was and it could rip up decrees of 70 years and the, and at the end, when they say Kaddish and that class, everyone's going to have Kavanah. They're going to think of every word because they were just fed all of the wondrous information on it. In life, when it comes to Emunah, you know, if someone just heard an Emunah class about accepting Ratzon Hashem and this and that, and then something happens, they walk out of the class, they're strong, they're powerful. I know Hashem do it. I know Hashem did this for the best. They just got a whole lecture on it. And the key to wanting to live like that all the time is only through reinforcing it again. Another class, another class, another class, another sefer, another sefer. And when you have it on the tip of your brain, then it's real. It's real. You walk through the world and you you're feeling Hashem all the time. So, like anything, I believe it's only through more learning. Okay, thank you, Rabbi. Okay, let's go to the next, next live question. So okay. Questions. Hi. Hi. Hi, You're Rabbi. On. Thank you. Um, okay, so I have a question. Now, um, the past year, like, really, unfortunately, like, 
there's been tragedies, like crazy tra- tragedies, what happened in Surfside, um, in Mehran, and like all these tragedies that have been happening in the world, I believe because it's close, because Mashiach is very close. Um, it's sort of like, it's, I, I, I'm like for sure talking like for everyone, like it, you, I, like, I can't, like, when I hear these things that happen, like I can't sleep at night and it's sort of like, you know, it, it sort of like instills fear in people of the unknown, what's going to be tomorrow. Like as a mom, like I'm so scared for my, you know, my children and everything. Um, now it's, it's a fear that, that like, in a way you can't even blame, like no one could blame us for having such fear because, you know, thinking of all these families, let's say what happened in Mehran, like, you know, mom's parents would send their kids not to do a mitzvah, to just, you know, to, to do the dance and, you know, for them not to have their children come back. It's a very scary thing and something that a lot of people can't, you know, it's just a fear. So what do we do about the fear that people get when these tragedies happen and these, you know, especially after Surfside, people were scarred and like they were just in shock for months and months. And like, you know, it, it really gets to you. And how do you deal with that fear of the unknown and, you know, what's going to be tomorrow? And it's just, you know, the craziness that's going on. Um, <clears throat> I think that regarding the fear, there's two aspects here. Regarding the fear you're having, um, you have to know that the world is under super, super control. When we see a tragedy, and there's 45 people who pass away or 35 people, whoever it is, in, in, in horrific ways, the first thing we have to know is every single person when they came into the world had a certain amount of life that was destined for them. All of those 45 people were supposed to live those amount of years. And nothing happened that wasn't already planned by Hashem. But the way Hashem did it is He did it in a way that woke up the world to look what could happen. To get us to become better. To get us to, to help us in our abodah, like you said, because Mashiach is coming. Hashem is trying to help us. So all of those individuals might have could have easily died in all different incidents, one after the other, all isolated places of the world, it would not have been a big commotion. This one died, this one died, this one died. And it was all of their times to go. But Hashem brought them all together in one spot to shake us up, to improve us. But that should not get you to think that, oh no, what about this one? What about my, I can't send my son here. I can't send, everyone has their time. And nothing's going to change wherever they are. doesn't matter where they are. What matters is, is that we're doing our job in this world. That's all, that's all that matters. You don't have to change anything of your regular life. Nothing has to be different regarding your mode of conduct and worrying about danger. Because the people's times are the people's times. And Hashem is the only one in control of that. So on the one hand, we were shaken up. You had to do something about it, and everyone has to do something about it. And each time something happens, we hope they never happen again. There has to be an immediate Kabbalah. What are you doing different now? Hashem was talking to us. 
He's shaking us up. He wants us to improve. What did you do specifically as a result of this tragedy? Of that? That's your only question. Okay, our family now, we do this. Our family, we do that. Oh, Meron tragedy. Now we all get together. We read a few halachot of Lashon Hara at the dinner table. Oh, we improved in this. And you improved, you got the message. Now move on with life. But the idea of a tragedy is not to be afraid of living regular life. Because each person, whoever they are, has a time that they're gonna, going to go in this world. We hope everybody's still 120. But it doesn't matter where they are or what time they're there. Hashem orchestrates where everybody is at the right time, wherever they need to be. And that's not our business. The world is under super, super careful control. Nothing happens that's not supposed to happen. And we're always in the best hands. Thank you so much. And also just a quick, quick question. Is it, um, you said that um, you're supposed, you know, everyone has their, their specific time and an amount of time. But obviously, does it mean that, you know, you could pray that, you know, you know, my family and me that we that can you can you pray for, you know, for extra meaning like, let's say, meaning like regarding, let's say, like, you know, Surfside, if if people, let's say their parents, if they would have prayed for them to have a longer life, you think Hashem would have took that into account and, you know, give them an extra like 60 years and then not have to be part of the surfs like meaning. My it's question, always good. It's yeah. always good to pray for everything that you want. You want children to have long life, you pray for it. We never go back and say, what if, what if, what if, what if. But going forward, it's a great thing to pray for your children to be healthy and continue doing it. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody, we have, we have, we have, we're going to go to closing early tonight because we have a share to go and I have to go. So anybody has live questions, please again text questions here. We have a bunch of live questions lined up. Rabbi Asher, so let's try to hop around. Okay, you're on now. Hi, and I wanted to ask you a question. So there are a lot of people speaking about saying thank you to Hashem and seeing miracles. There was a lot of books published with Rabbi Shalom Marush, say thank you and see miracles. I wanted to ask, like, what if what if you get discouraged and don't see blessings right away? How do you have a Muna and stay in the path of gratitude? And because I was just wondering, I was I recently was dating someone and we got close and we, you know, we spent a lot of time together and he proposed and then he took back the proposal and I was very devastated. And so like, I cry from time to time. Like I just, it's just very hard for me to accept. So I struggle with Amuna. Like, how am I going to meet someone else that I like so much and feel so comfortable with because I myself am so picky myself. You have to know when something doesn't work out in Shidduchim, it's because Hashem sees the future. And although now it looks like your future is ruined, it's just the opposite. That if this would have gone forward in the future, it would have been much worse. And when you do find the right person, you're going to look back and say, I can't believe anybody else was, I was even considering them. That's the way Shidduchim is only biyad Hashem. And trust Him. Regarding any sigula of saying thank you, whatever the sigula is, we have to have some aspect of L'Shem Shamayim. We don't do Sigulor just to say, I'm going to thank you, Hashem, to get what I want. We have to thank Hashem because Hashem is kind and Hashem takes care of us and feel happy with your thank you that you did a great mitzvah. You recognized Hashem. You thanked Hashem. Whatever aspect of life that you recognized and you thanked Him for, feel great. You did a wonderful mitzvah and continue on with the mitzvot. And if you're doing 
what you're supposed to do. Don't worry, the rewards will come in the right time. Beautiful, Rabbi Ashir. Okay, let's go to the next question. You're on. Me? Yeah, you're on. Hi. Hi. Um, I have a question um, regarding Amuna uh, because um, I used to have a, a lot of Amuna and Betzachem before I had the virus. And when I had the virus, um, I also had the Amuna Betzachem, you know, and um, six months later, I got like a few things from the virus. One of them was unwanted thoughts, which happened Erev Rosh Hashanah. And um, I also got uh, the brain fog and not being able to sleep since the virus. Um, and the unwanted thoughts is really bothersome to me because um, I had the most amuna and betachan ever. I got it from my father and he's not alive anymore. So he really can't help me with it. But um, he, uh, if not for him, I probably would have been right now off the derech. Um, but uh, it's very hurtful because I keep getting like, here I have a Muna, the next minute I don't believe, and the next minute I believe, and it's like, it keeps like uh, conflicting in my brain. And when I'm in it, it really sounds real and it's, it's, it's hurting me. And when I go, when I'm out of it, when I don't anymore feel it, then um, I'm back to, to my regular self. And but I still don't have the Hislahavis I used to have. I just believe, but I don't have the Hislahavis like some Torah. We used to, they, my, my kids and my husband danced for the Torah and I used to ask them to dance for me with my name. And I used to feel it in me, like the love and everything. And last, Sumchastara did not feel that, just the opposite. And um, it just made me sick, you know, and from it, it's really very hurtful because I want to be close to Hashem. I always asked, even when I didn't have this issue to be closer to Hashem. And now that I have this, um, it's like a battle in me. I don't know how to go about it because I'm like, I, I want to believe and I want to be the me I used to be. What am I supposed to do now? Like, am I not a believer because of this? I'm like, how do I strengthen that? How do I get better and become myself like I used to be? Oh, someone once asked the Chafetz Chaim, they said, we don't understand. There was a big Baal Siddaka, wealthy man who lost all his money. He says he gave so much Siddaka, how could he lose his money? And the Chafetz Chaim told them in, in very short, he said, life is like a bunch of courses. He took wealth 101. Now he has to take poverty 101. Hopefully he'll pass that and move on to the next course. You had a time in your life where you're, you had the Hislavas and everything was great and wonderful and you had it all. And, and you passed it great and you did wonderful with it. But now there's another stage you have to go through. In order for you to be the complete person that you're meant to be in this world, you have to go through a stage where the emunah is not so clear and the emunah is questioned. And you have to find within yourself all that emunah that you learned from your father now and you got to dig deep and you have to be able to overcome this and hopefully you'll overcome it soon and you'll go, go to the next test or whatever the next part of your life is. But every part of your life, there's nothing that... A side effect of a virus is also me'et Hashem. It's also, me everything's me'et Hashem. And if you needed this 
whatever these thoughts are, whatever you're having, it's part of your avodah. And here is where you have to rise. And you have to say, it doesn't have to be the same level as before. You had the Hislavis, that's how you served Hashem then. Now you have to serve Hashem with whatever you could now. And if you could serve Him with through this challenge, then you'll pass this part. And then you move on to the next part. And Bezrat Hashem, you'll be successful. Okay, Rabbi Asher, let's do two more questions over here that came in, and then we'll go to closing, okay? Does that work? Everything is fine, whatever you say. Okay, somebody texted a question. How does one deal with depressed spouse who is not able to live a life of Amuna because of his depression? I'm trying to constantly see the positive in things that are happening and try to stay upbeat, but my husband is always irritated, angry, and extremely difficult not to let it affect me. How do I deal with that? When somebody has a depression, you know, the best method is to, to deal with the doctors and how to cure the depression. Sometimes there's medications that need to be taken. Sometimes it's not his fault. There could be a chemical imbalance. We don't know. He has to be, be able, you have to get him to go to a doctor. And these things I've seen with my own eyes, people who were depressed, they took certain pills, they took certain medication, they're back to themselves, they're normal. So... Your hishtadlut is it could be a medical issue. You have to take care of it medically. Until then, you know, you're positive as much as you could be. And you have to look at it in your own life as a certain yisurin that you have to go through. But you have to make a hishtadlut to heal it, to help it. And with depression, it could very easily, in many cases, not all cases, but it could be easily healed. You have to go and take it, check it out medically. Okay. Rabbi Shira, let's go to this question. We got a few different versions of it. I want to just touch upon it. My 16-year-old son is struggling in yeshiva. He is not happy, and I'm very hurt when I see him falling out. I'm doing my ishtadlis to help him, but it doesn't seem to be working. What chizuk can I tell myself in such a situation? Your, your job as a parent is to do the best you can. The results are not in your hands, but you have to try and try and try and try and you know, usually with kids these ages, if you could find them some type of mentor or 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 rebbe, young rabbi that's gonna be his big brother and is gonna you're gonna gonna show him love, that that it it goes such a long way. If you could find someone in your community with a personality 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 like that. And maybe you could even, you know, you'll pay him on the side, come and call my son and take him out and learn with him then they feel a connection. That's what they need. They need someone to love them. They need someone to show them how great they are. And you praise him when he does something good. Positive reinforcement. You try your hardest. Not, that's all you could do. Hashem doesn't expect from you more than you're able to do. So you keep trying and you keep trying and you're doing your, you're doing your hishtalut. You're, 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 you're great in the eyes of Hashem. You keep trying your hardest and that's the way you, 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 you continue. Okay, Rabbi Asher, let's take another live question. We'll try to squeeze it in. You're on. Hi. Um, first of all, thank you so much for all the books. I really enjoy them. Um, so my question now is, I'm divorced and going through Shadokim, it's been very, very difficult um, with my expats spreading a lot of negative information about me. I feel this is very different than like anything that I feel is straight from Hashem because I feel like there's so much that there are people actually doing to me. How can I view it as like coming from Hashem and just keeping my moon on knowing that 
I'm going to get married to the right person either way. Someone once came to the Chazon Ish and they said the same thing, that their daughter, he says, every time she's about to do a shidduch, the neighbor badmouths them and she loses the shidduch. He says, what do I do? It's not out. What, what can we do about it? So the Chazon Ish told him, he said, all that means is that the people who your daughter was dating were not the right people. When the right person comes, either your neighbor won't find out about it or the Shiduch will not listen to what they say. Hashem is the only one in charge of Shiduchim and nobody could break it if it's the right one. So you should look at all these people that were broken off because they were the wrong one. They saved you the time. When the right time is there, it, 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 the, the, the people cannot destroy it. I hear. Okay, thank you so much. Beautiful, Rabbi Shir. Okay, one more last live question, then we're going to go to uh, we're going to go to um, the closing. Okay, sorry, I'm mute. Hi, um, I was wondering, you know, you know, it's hard to something things just happen out of left field or beyond our control. You know, hurricanes, like you know, things that you know can really uh, affect your muscle. But, what, but do we ever have a right to be angry when something just seems so concretely, you know, like human error or um, or something like an injustice? I mean, do we just, I don't know how we can just be, you know, have equanimity about that or, you know, a stupid mistake or, or even, even going like the, the recent tragedies at Surfside, I'm thinking, well, uh, you know, didn't they inspect the buildings? You, you know, you can, I mean, you can look for, I'm not saying so much pointing blame, but sometimes that I, you know, I, I can be angry at myself when I, I an oversight is just something, you know, a mistake, something I did wrong. Uh, so do we ever have that kind of right to be angry instead of just, you know, just Only accepting time, that goes yeah. wrong? You're not allowed to be negligent. You're not allowed to be negligent. That means. You're not allowed to go into the middle of the street and say, uh, you know, if I'm supposed to live, Hashem's going to save me. You can't be negligent. Yeah. So if you did something negligent, then you have a right to feel bad about it in the physical world. But if at the time that you made your decision, which is 99% of the cases, you thought you were choosing right, yeah. and then you see a month later that it was the worst choice you could have made, there's no, you cannot go back and regret that. Because at the time, if Hashem wanted you to know then what you know now, he would have let you know then. He didn't let you know. You thought you were choosing. It was a rational choice that you thought you were making that you cannot be expected to do anything beyond that. And therefore, you do never go back and look and say, I should have, I should have, I should have, now that I know this. Somebody who goes to sleep in, a, in an apartment building is not supposed to know that three years ago they didn't make an inspection. That's not our, our job. And Hashem is called Shomer Petaim Hashem. Hashem guards the simple ones. That would not have happened because of a negligence of a person. People, Jews don't die because of the negligence of an inspector. Jews die because it's their time to go. And we do never look at things like that and say, you know, that's, there's no act of negligence on the Jews, Jewish person's part there. And there's nothing to, to regret in hindsight. Wow, Rabbi Shea, beautiful. I want to say first a few things, Rabbi Asher. We have a tremendous amount of questions that we didn't get to, and people are texting me the whole time. I, I want to apologize to everybody. It's Rabbi Asher. I know you're up to book six, but uh, I think we're going to have to do part two. <laughs> everybody wants you to come back. I'm sorry for everybody for tonight for ending early. Rabbi Asher has to go, and I have to go. So we're going to go to closing, and um, 
Tonight, Rabbi Asher, the person, the, the boy, one, the boy that was killed last week, we, know, we want to do, we dedicate to share from the schus from all the people that came on that were mechazik, should be in a schus neshama, Shmuel ben Mordechai Nachum Silverberg. That all the hundreds of people that were here tonight, that over a thousand people here tonight, and the thousands of people that will watch it later, is the neshama should have a big aliyah from tonight's shir. And uh, let's go to closing. Again, I want to thank Rabbi David Asher for coming on tonight and giving tremendous chizuk and the muna betachin. Obviously, we we all work on it and we all need it. Every day, and um, Rabbi, Rabbi Asher, your books are amazing, and your stories are amazing, and we 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 need to constantly repeat it. So we need you on more often. Again, anybody who's here for the first time tonight, um, we do every Sunday night a share on Zoom on different topics. If Rabbanon, please come every week. Let people know about it. It's tremendous physical people help. Next Sunday, we're going to having an amazing program with Rabbi Shlomo Landau. He's a rabbi in Brunswick, New Jersey, in Middlesex County. The title I'm not I'm not going to give it away, but the title is Rosh Hashanah is coming a real way to impact ourselves and others. It's something special. It's going to be an amazing, amazing program. Please join. Let's do something to really impact ourselves and other people for this coming year. Take upon ourselves something. So let's see what, he, what he's going to talk about. Everything, everything tonight is recorded. It's going to be available on Menachem Bernfeld's website, menachembernfeld.com. We'll be up there tomorrow. If anybody has any questions for Rabbi Ashir, uh, please email coachmenachem at gmail.com. We'll send them all the emails. We'll forward it to him if he has time. We can answer some of them. Again, share, tonight's share is share number 70. And if anybody wants to hear it on, on our phone number, we have a number. It's 848-777-GROW. You can call and um, you could hear it later. And anybody who wants to sign up for our share on menachembernfield.com, you could sign up and every week we'll send you an email let you know what's coming on. Again, I want to thank the advertising sponsors, the Lakewood Scoop, Rabbi of Gersh for, for, for connecting us with Rabbi Yashir and making it happen tonight. We really appreciate it. And special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shmuel Sum from JCN. And uh, let's go to closing remarks from Coach Menachem and then followed by Rabbi Ashir. And Rabbi Ashir, thank you again for coming on. Thank you, Rabbi Ashir, uh, for the chizek. And like everybody heard, wherever you are, it's a, it's a process and we're working on getting there. And, and one of the ways are just by learning over and over. Um, my recommendation is everybody out there, start your own book and start writing your own stories and realizing how Hashem helps you and build that up so you can go to one book, two books, and I believe that would help. Thank you very much, Rabbi Ashir, for tonight's uh, presentation. Rabbi Ashir, for all the people here tonight, leave us with a story, a chizuk. Leave us, leave us with something good. Let's get a preview of Living Amuna 6. I read a story uh, last week from a sefer that actually took place over here in uh, New York some years back. And the story teaches us a lot of lessons. The story began in 2006. Rabbi Yoel, the, the, uh, Rabbi Yoel Martin said over the story, his sister Sarah was very sick at that time. And 40 of Sarah's mother's friends took upon themselves to gather every morning in her mother's house and they took turns saying Birkot HaShachar with everyone answering Amen as a zechut for Saraz On Rosh Chodesh, not only would they do that, they would pray the whole tefillah together and sing Hallel out loud and then have an inspirational speaker come to give them chizuk. Every one of these women improved in their mitzvot and ma'asim tovim all in the hope that Sarah would have a refuah but that year, Sarah passed away. And everyone was wondering, what happened to our tefillah? What happened to our good deeds? But Sarah's mother, 
had so much emuna. She told them, we don't understand the ways of Hashem, but we know he keeps every tefillah and every good deed in a special storehouse and he uses them at the right time. This was the time for Sarah to go because she finished her mission in this world. The group of women were very inspired and they took upon themselves to continue their practice of gathering every morning to say the Birkot HaShachar and answer Amen and Rosh Chodesh and Hallel and the inspirational speaker. And they formed a group and they named it after Sarah. They called it the Ohel Sarah Amen group. About 10 years later, Rav Yoel's other sister, Razel, was on vacation in Florida with her husband when suddenly she collapsed and was rushed to the hospital. But it was too late. Her body had completely shut down. Every organ was failing. She was put on life support. A few minutes later, her heart stopped. They were able to revive her, but she was in a coma. A few weeks later, they transferred her to a hospital in New York. They did a CAT scan, an MRI, and it confirmed that Loa Leno, she was brain dead. The doctors raised their hands and said, there is no hope. A 31-year-old girl with two children at home. The news plunged the family into grief. A second daughter being tragically taken. They gathered around Razel and they cried together. But once again, Razel's mother was steadfast in her emunah. And so were all the women at the Oil Sarah Amen group. The doctors gave up hope, but they did not. They decided to increase their efforts besides for what they were doing already. They spent, they took a day and they went to Kivret Sadikim to pray for the Refuah Shalema of Chaya Razel Badina. They asked Rav Pesach Kron Shlita to guide them at the Kivarim and to pray and to give them words of Chizuk. They went on a Thursday, the 23rd of Tammuz. The temperature in that day was in the mid-90s. And with tremendous misirud nefesh, these women went from kever to kever, crying and praying. They went to the kever of Rav Yaakov Yosef, Rav Avraham Palm, Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky, Rav Chanach Leibowitz, and by the kever of Rabbi Leibowitz, while the women were crying tefillot Hashem, Sarah's mother's phone, I'm sorry, Rav Yoel's mother's phone rang, and she saw it was her husband. She picked up the phone, and her husband said, I have someone who wants to talk to you. Hello, mom? She heard on the other line. She froze. Is that you, Razel? Yes, was the reply. How are you, her mother asked. Good, Baruch Hashem, she said. Her mother began to yell, my daughter is up, my daughter is up. 30 doctors and nurses came to witness this miracle. The women who were by the Kaber became so emotional. They were crying tears of joy and they all said Nishma together to thank Hashem for the open miracle. The family went to the hospital to see Razel. Rav Yoel wanted to see if his sister had her memory and he asked her, do you know where I live? At first she didn't respond and then he said, you know, the city of Torah. She said, ah, yes, you live in Lakewood. 
the women at that time of the oil Sarah men group remembered all their prayers and good deeds that they had done 10 years before. And they understood Hashem stored them up for this open miracle. Now today it's five years later. Last week I had the zikhut of seeing and talking to Chaya Rezal Batina and I saw this miracle myself. It's nothing short of an open miracle. Every tefillah we make accomplishes something. Of course, the greatest reward for the tefillah is the tefillah itself. Each prayer will bear enormous fruit in the next world and Be'ezrat Hashem also in this world. We never give up. We don't care about statistics. We don't care about doctor's reports. We know we have Hashem and we always hope. And this is how we fulfill the great mitzvah of Sipitah Yeshua, Be'ezrat Hashem. You should all have a wonderful, blessed year. You should all be inscribed in the book of life. And you should have kol tu v'tov. Amen. Amen. Beautiful, Rabbi, Rabbi Asher. Rabbi Asher, one of the ladies who was there, I was texting. She was right there with the, when this whole story happened. She said it's wow. an unbelievable story. Thank you, Rabbi Asher, for coming on. Everybody who's here, we'll see you next week, Sunday night, 10 o'clock. Looking forward. Good night to everybody. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes and it will be greatly appreciated thank you in advance